0: Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. I'm
1: Annie Warmke. Yes, you
0: are Annie Warmke. Very efficient. And today we're going to talk about uh, sustainable megatrends that are in the news. And and we've decided to try this periodically where we just simply take um, available publications, and just pull out what, what we think are some of the trends, some of the articles that catch our fancy about sustainability. Uh, it's a good way to do these without actually having to prepare, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, so the first article that, that sort of uh, brought, Annie brought to my attention here was one where apparently a couple of authors are arguing with each other about how we're going to best feed people in the future. Is that fair fair to say? Yeah. Well,
1: first I want to say that I want to talk about where we get some of this. So so every week I get two things that are one extreme from the other. One is Farm and uh, Dairy Journal from Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia um, newspaper that arrives on Friday in the mail. And then The Guardian, which is coming out of um, the U.K., And uh, you can guess which is liberal and which isn't. But um, there's also a new thing that I've started getting called resilience.org. And they have amazing... um, uh, articles with the links and and everything, and so this uh, piece that we're starting to talk about here came from Resilience, and so if you want to go back and find it, uh, you can. But it's um it's between these two authors, which I'm not that much of a reader to drill down in things like this. But um, the I'll butcher the names, but I'll say anyway. So Chris Smage, which is S M A J E, versus George Minow. Is that right? You think it's Minwa?
0: Well, they probably what? call it Monbiot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Monbiot. Mon so, bi- <laughs> so they got they were doing they write books and um, they but they have a different take on the issue of the future of farming, and so they got into this sort of squabble as they wrote blogs about what their their theory was, and so Chris Smage Uh, he's got a book called A Small Farm Future. And what he looks at is the fact that the future, um, if we're going to be able to feed people, has got to be built around local economies, self-provisioning, agricultural diversity, and basically saying we all live on the earth and we have to figure out how to get along.
0: So he's taking the point of view that I guess we would agree with, that it would be nice if everybody, you know, small is beautiful, uh, let's get local local production well, also more like organic vegan,
1: vegan versus small uh, farm uh, animal livestock production mm-hmm. and that I think is where the real argument came in was so Chris is saying you know we've got to get away from domestic animal production
0: factory farming
1: well yeah. not just that he's just saying you know it's a, it's one of the leading causes of uh, co2 because they belch and fart and things like that. Um, the other guy is basically saying um, he he wrote a book called Regenesis, Feeding the World Without Devouring the Planet, and he, he calls for an overhaul of global farming investment in artificial meat to free up grazing land. So I'm wrong. I got this turned around. So Chris is okay with small-scale livestock production, and uh, George is saying, no, we got to move completely away from it. And I think the argument, well, then they got nasty with each other <laughs> and they wanted resistance. boys, boys, boys. I know it. They, yeah. they, so this author that wrote the articles uh, talking about this debate likes both of the authors and thinks they do, you know, their points are really good. Um, and so the, they kept trying to get re- resistance dot, uh, no, resilience.com to, or dot org, sorry, resilience.org to uh, publish their sort of fight and they wouldn't do it. And so this guy is writing an article about it. And the thing that I would say about this is that they both agree on several points that are really valuable. And that is that everyone deserves access to nutritious food. Now that could be a big debate, especially when meat comes into the picture, but agriculture is widely practiced. It's unsustainable the way it is now, polluting and wreaking havoc on soil waterways and habitats. And then we've got to find ways um, among ourselves and also um, how it impacts other people. But we have to find ways to do this food production differently, which, I mean, it's hard not to believe that or argue the case.
0: Well, I think if we just look at all of these articles that we've got here I mean, you're talking about, you know, diversity in farm is necessary. We, we've had sex, um, sessions about how uh, agriculture, big ag, is uh, polluting the environment, yeah, destroying had, the had land. podcasts
1: on food forests, which is one right. of the age-old ways people have fed themselves even today in some other cultures. And
0: then we have food loss, food waste. Um, basically, the way that we're dealing with food uh, really, as a as an industrial manufacturing process, cannot be s- sustained over the long term. Um, I guess the other question is, and what all of these people assume is, we've seen population growth um, over the last, you know, fifty decades or whatever. We've we've seen the population growing very rapidly, and they assume that rapid um, growth is going to continue. And I guess I need. To, I'm, I need to be convinced that we're not approaching a a pack, uh, population maximum. Um, where but we're
1: not feeding all those people. And that's the thing is that we're, we're feeding, we're making petrol out of a lot of food that's raised. We're exporting that food to other countries. Right. Um, and the other thing is that we're producing that food in a way that is not natural and it's unhealthy for the human body. So we, Expand the medical model, which is also unhealthy, and thousands of people. I mean, if you get to be fifty and you're not in deep with the medical model, the doctors are sure you're going to die. You got to have a blood test. Right. You got to know your test scores and all that. But the other part of this, which they ignore at least in the argument, is that we're facing we're facing a lot of bugs. We're facing insects. We're facing because we have these singular, um,
0: yeah, the monocultures. Product. Yes, the
1: monocultures that we are now dealing with invasive tree pests that are killing important trees. Well, all trees are important, but certainly really important trees, the long, the long living trees. Um, We have insects that um, can be controlled and molds and mildew that can be controlled when we have diverse plants. But everything we do to produce the food on a large scale is only in that mono row cropping environment and is getting bigger and bigger with self-driven vehicles.
0: Nature was never intended that way. I mean, nature by its own uh, process tends to scatter Things about because well, then you don't you don't want these diseases to catch hold and have you know four thousand acres of of corn that right. if a bug With or a mold. virus gets mm-hmm. in there it's it's destroyed but
1: diversity which we seem to be so against even in our human interaction <laughs> you know we all go to the white people's church if we're white we all go to the same section in the store to buy the same food for. Because that's the way we ate as kids, or whatever. So, so we really downplay and discourage diversity. Okay,
0: so this particular mega trend we're talking about is there's one guy who's sort of articulating the smallest, beautiful, let's all, you know, economy, sing and, and dance and stuff. say kumbaya, mm-hmm. which may or may not be realistic. I suspect we've not seen it. We see it expanding, but not being the dominant. Uh, uh, technology and then this other guy is saying embrace the technology you know um, let's use artificial meat let's use these these technologies right. to to do it better well so, so I think they're both fair points I,
1: I think they're making fair points and, and but the other thing this uh, George um, he wrote this article called the cruel fantasies of well-fed people and um, and and to me that's so enticing. Because that's exactly the bottom line of where we are when we talk about how to produce food, how to market the food, how to get people to eat the food. You know, people, um, the guy, the world chef guy, uh, I forget Mm -hmm. his name, that he's in in Ukraine and Israel right now feeding people. And, And he talks about eating real food and how you have to make it palatable to people. Sure. And we don't learn how to do that.
0: Um, okay, well, I'm going to jump you on to the next item. Otherwise, we'll spend um, thir- 28 minutes talking about this. Um, so the other <laughs> one you pulled out had to do with narcotics. Um, oh, okay. Narcotics. Speaking yeah, of yeah, yeah. things that are not sustainable and misbehaviors and the like. There we yeah, go. Okay, here's there. here's the one that sort of prompted this discovery, uh, or this this topic. Well,
1: for the headline.
0: Yeah, it just says Narcan yeah. to be available at Ohio rest stops.
1: Yeah. So, so the reason, yeah, and that was in the farm and dairy, if you want to look it up. But I, the reason that jumped out at me um, in terms of when you think about mega trends, so uh, all of these things around opioids and drug uh, overdoses that are not necessarily suicides um, uh, has become so big, but it's nothing compared to where it's going when we talk about all the things that are coming with AI and. Uh, the dumbing down since COVID of kids that should be at seventh grade level working at second grade level around every skill, math, words, everything. So, so the trend is we're going to hell in a handbasket, basically. But what <laughs> Get happened? <off> my
0: lawn. <laughs> yeah. So, what
1: happened is that one of our interns um, brought me a package of Narcan. To keep in the milk. Line. And we
0: should say Narcan is the is the product or the drug or the whatever an to antidote. help. It's an antidote if somebody is having a, a narcotic overdose situation. Is right. that right? Yes,
1: that's right. Uh-huh. And so so he had gotten this at um, his college. They gave them out and he brought me. Um, well, one. that's an
0: indication because before they gave out condoms, now they're giving out <laughs> they Narcan. They don't care about STDs or
1: pregnancy. <laughs> now they're giving yeah. out Narcan. Well, in drug college. overdoses in Ohio um, last year uh, were resulted in almost five thousand deaths. Um, and that was four times greater than the fatalities caused by motor vehicle um, accidents. And so not to mention, it's mostly happening with younger people. And that's really disturbing well, as well. So I, let me just say, he brought this package of Narcan and he said, uh, I was hoping you would leave, uh, keep this in the milk room where you milk the goats and everything. In and, case
0: they have an overdose. Yes, in
1: case there's an <laughs> overdose. And I said... By
0: the By the goats.
1: Well, the goats <laughs> might have an overdose, but it would be food. It would be the other thing we're talking about, about the, the case of the well-fed uh, goats. So anyway, um, so I said to him, I've really thought about this. And um, and while I really don't want anybody to die on my watch, but there's a sign at the gate and it says, we are a drug-free zone. And if you enter that gate, you are adhering to that. So I think I would be very angry And I also am of the mind that if you are doing this to yourself, you have the death wish, who am I to say you don't have the right to kill yourself? So I said, I won't know until it happens. And I really hope it never happens on my watch. But man, I'm going to be faced with a moral dilemma.
0: Well, we are seeing and and we hear about it, especially in Appalachia, but also I'm sure all over the world, um, this rise of, of narcotic use or and, and a lot of it comes from the prescription world, the medical model oh, that yeah. you it's love to.
1: It's given out like candy. And, well,
0: yeah. we've had interns who have come to us before where they get injured, injured on the job often. Then they go to a doctor. The doctor gives them Oxycontin or whatever. And then or suddenly, antibiotic. Even. suddenly they yeah. get addicted to this. And then they find out it's a lot cheaper just to use heroin. And, oh we, um, yes, that's right. Know, and they and, end up
1: in prison, and then yeah. they end up with them, and they're really amazing but, human beings.
0: But the numbers that I've seen or heard, anyway, is like as much as fifty percent of the population is on is on some sort of narcotic or maintenance yeah. type drug in yeah. in certain regions, of course and and that's just astounding i mean i i suspect it when i see them driving but i don't know about it's hard uh, to not how it. how are you know because these people it it permeates into every every part of their life their driving for example their ability to make a living their ability to raise children and now they've got children who are raised by people who it's more important for them to get their drug than to see that their child is Cared for, or yeah. happy, or well, healthy. They're probably
1: using themselves too. Yeah. But the other thing is, I'm not convinced that it's the numbers that are driving all of this effort and this money, because whoever makes Narcan's getting really, really rich because suddenly Narcan is the cure
0: all. Okay. But let me inter- interrupt you for a second okay. and let everyone know that you are listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. <laughs>
1: thank God, I guess. Thank God.
0: We're, we're, we're touching on some subjects that aren't all that great. I well, mean, normally these
1: are trends. These are mega well, trends. Well, normally we say
0: at. it's the end of the world, thank God, because the world that we live in is not sustainable. Now we're kind of saying that some of these non-sustainable behaviors are accelerating, if anything.
1: Right. Um, well, and so we have to deal with it in our own lives. But uh, so what I was saying before, I was Interrupted. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) rudely. No, uh, Uh I don't know if it's rude, but anyway, um, is that the there? I think what's driven a lot of this initially, this sort of we got to get Narcan out there, we got to have treatment facilities now uh, on a larger scale, is that there was this huge um, uh, lawsuit that happened over the um, people who produced opioids and who knew that it was a really terrible thing. Wasn't
0: it some family? It's a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, and so the, they were sued. And, and so there was this big pot of money, a huge pot of money, um, which they could afford to have to give up, um, that was sent to these, as you mentioned, various areas that have a higher problem with that, like in Southern Ohio or West Virginia. Not that it doesn't happen in big cities and things, but rural areas tend to be more... Uh, uh, harmed by this. So anyway, um, so the feds are just giving out money, like you know, they're they're printing it in the in the back room, and um, and it really is for treatment, which is great if the treatment is the right kind of treatment. One of the problems that I know from having interns that have had this issue and tried to um, get off the maintenance, there is a maintenance drug that they can take, and they have to go every week to get it, and it costs a lot of money um is that Oxycontin gets into the bone marrow and so to go off of that it takes a very long time and and a lot of treatment centers say you got to just come in and be here and and there are other ways to detox that bone marrow but they're probably more expensive and they, They take somebody who knows what they're doing, and it's rare to find that person. So they're going into treatment, and they are suffering, suffering, suffering. The pain, um, the excruciating pain from the withdrawal over a very long period of time is really tough, and it's tough to stick with it.
0: Yep. Okay. Well, I'm going to bump you on to the okay. to the next topic that we identified I, here. I just
1: want to say something I need to say about people committing suicide <laughs> is I don't advocate for suicide behavior, but I also feel like sometimes we need to honor that people have just had enough.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well, um, this one was the uh, Donut <clears throat> donut donut economics. economics. So it's one of those things I suspect is a clever title. Oh, um, no. but it it maybe is kind of a less less profound concept.
1: Okay. I mean, when free... I was reading
0: through, oh, wait, let me let me just right. rant a little bit about all this right. and pick then you can mind
1: picking.
0: Yeah, you okay, you pick this one up. It. But but basically what they're saying is economic yeah. models, you can say, all right, there's this this hole in the middle this that's the donut analogy <laughs> of the things that you basically ha- have to have you know these are the minimum requirements of of survival of life or whatever then you expand out into the want to have kind of world and then you reach a limit where those things that you want begin to cause Um, destruction to the planet that we live on and cannot be sustained over the long period. So the concept is, how do we live within that donut area of beyond the minimum we need to survive, but not past that limit where it causes problems for the planet or other people? Fair enough? Good summary?
1: Okay. Well, so...
0: So we call it the donut economy and we're all happy.
1: Yeah. So what I was thinking is it's more of... It is a personal way to live. Like we've done it, we've done a podcast on what uh, what we call active hope, and how to organize uh, the things that happen over time in various ways, to, so that they become something that um, encourages you to move forward and how to move forward. To me, this is more about um, business, how we do business, and um, so there are seven principles. Um, which apply to you personally, but then if you're running a business, doesn't it make sense that that would also influence that business or you're running a house or you are running a, a government or a, you're the mayor or whatever, that you are thinking about it in a more constructive way of how it touches everything. So that's the idea and the core of who we are, which is the whole of the donut Is super important to be taken care of. We've just been talking about that.
0: Well, in this, in this article, they list some boundaries. They say, you know, in different, there's limitations, boundaries that you have to deal with. And they've identified a bunch of them, 12 social boundaries, they call it, where they say there's the boundary of, of water of food, of health, well, of education. Yeah. yeah, these are basic needs. It almost strikes me a little bit like the Maslow's hierarchy. Uh, well, it is hierarchy. similar,
1: because, but it doesn't right. talk about safety, although these things provide a sense right. of safety. Well, they do get enough. into
0: here. They got to education, income and work, peace and justice, which is kind of stay, safety. Now they start getting into a little bit like it was formed by a committee. For my, for right, my view, let, wait, political voice, let me go, social equity, gender equity. Now they're kind of... This is all hitting all of the, the
1: work that we ought to be doing. Uh,
0: but but I think they could just say be nice to each other. Um, then <laughs> um, then you get into housing networks. Networks. I'm going to assume they're talking about social interaction. Well,
1: or business networks. Uh,
0: probably not or my spiritual internet Spiritual
1: networks, all kinds of. And networks. then
0: energy, but they don't talk about spirituality, but they talk about they they divvied them. So I I feel like a little of this is is more some of those like. Committee meetings you go to in a in a in a social service agency where they've all you know brainstormed about what the latest buzzwords are. So I'm 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 not discounting it, but I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Saying uh, the one thing in this article I did take away with, um, from was uh, the concept of of non ownership. You know, I thought that was an interesting example where they they discuss saying, why do you buy something? Why why can't our, our pricing model be based on usage? So you pay for it as you use it, but you don't have to own it.
1: Right. Like renting your vacuum and things like that. Well,
0: and we're seeing that, for instance, in software. Software is a I rant and rave about the thing you used to be able to buy a software package. You paid one price and. And that was it. Now they're moving to a subscription model where they want to get you a little bit every month or sometimes a lot every month. So so it is that same kind of idea. Like, well, we just used a log splitter, right? There's no reason we need a log splitter to split firewood once or twice a year. Why not just rent it, pay for it as we use right, it? but that's and part of our business
1: model. We yeah. said the things that we don't want to do or can't do will be a job or an income for someone. But I want to say... Um, those little things that you were reading are from an article that uh, Kate, uh, I can't say her last name, but anyway, Kate wrote, but this is really just to back up. This is powerful to me and why oh, okay. I was interested. Um, this is also from resilience.org and it's from an article called building tomorrow. So this guy, Patty Lafluffy.
0: That's a made-up name. That's like a children's book. Patty LaFluffy Fluffy was right. Right, walking in Marshmallow Land. Can not tell what call
1: you because our parents aren't she always. She lives on the, right. in but, Cloud Center. Okay, all right, you're going to the corner. Uh-huh. Um, so he he was a big deal financial specialist in London, and um, he decided he was going to spend six months of the year doing his financial specialist work in London. And then the other six months, he went to various parts of the uh, world where people lived in stark contrast to that lifestyle. And he had the experience of living with a lot of different economies around migrants. And uh, he lived in uh, Mozambique and also with the uh, Hadza uh, hunter-gatherers. And that background brought him to begin to think about the perspective of environmental and economic challenges that face the modern developed world.
0: Okay, so tell us what you think about that. I'm not going to let you read any more.
1: Well, what I think (laughs) is, and the reason I'm interested in what he has to say, is it isn't so much about the donut concept, but what it does is it moves us from the white Christian middle-class baloney that we view, that's the lens we most, uh, you and I, and that our friends and colleagues view the world through. And it says, let's have a broader view of how we do business, how we live life, sure. how we uh, benefit our communities. And um, and I think it's really in- interesting. And he, a lot of things that he has to say, are a lot more, um, well, for me anyway, a lot more powerful than just Kate's little thing about what are the seven principles and all that stuff. That's all really valuable and every business should have a plan that incorporates these things about analyzing your goals all the time. And if it's not working, then, and it doesn't make sense anymore. You change the goal. You move the
0: goalpost. One thing that I take away when you talk about going and living with a tribe, I always come back to this thing that I thought of, and I'm sure I'm not the first person, but, but in, in a traditional tribal society, if you have more than you need and are unwilling to share, that's like a mental illness, Yet here in, in our Western society, that's it's a sign priced. of great success.
1: So he does talk about that. And he says he, in his concept of the future guardian, that it's a new type of business entity that balances traditional profit motive with the stakeholder interests and the broader societal good. And certainly there was a day when people operated more like that, when they lived in small pockets and everything they did influenced everybody. And when you look at the economics of happiness um, and uh, there's a a video, a documentary called The Economics of Happiness. And you see what happened when when, how people lived in in the Nepal area uh, and where they didn't know poverty, nobody didn't have a home they were asked questions about poverty and people were like, we have time, we spend time, we work. Yeah. And and then the highways came and then there was homelessness, there was poverty, there was adjunct poverty sure. and cruelty and how they treated when they put old people into homes. And the women from this uh, community in, in the Nepal area were shocked that old people would be treated that way. And so I think that's a lot of what Building Tomorrow is talking yeah, well, about. Well, I think
0: there's a danger that we don't, you know, um, fantasize about how life used to be. You know, it, it's that kind of the, the you know, everybody lived in a village and everybody helped each other. I think that's that's a narrative we we convince ourselves may have been true, but my guess is was only occasionally true.
1: No, I think it, it was true, and I think that they right. brought people. well, that's people, your that's people, your narrative. But we can go to other parts of the world, which is mm-hmm. what Patty La Fluffy was doing.
0: <laughs> Can't take that person and seriously. We
1: we, <laughs> we you know when when I went to Nicaragua, I saw this right. where people had to reinvent this local economy and help each other.
0: Okie dokie. Well, I think that's about it. The amount of time that we have for these mega trends. Uh, You have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and, uh, I don't have a clever title for you today, Annie Warmke. (laughs) We want to thank our Megatrend producer. Adam Rich, you're, none of these are working out here. Of names I, I know, I know. And We're going to
1: call you a name. Thank
0: you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is?
1: Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your vegetables, Jay. All
0: right. Till next time. Bye-bye. Mother Earth will sing and her children will be healed.